1: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network,
3: this is OutKick 360
1: with Jonathan
0: Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Second hour is here. OutKick 360. 6th and Peabody are located with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Crew is all here as well. Um... A lot to get to. We're going to get into a big topic of Big Ten Commissioner Gene Smith and an idea that he has for NIL and the transfer portal and whether or not it is realistic. That's all straight ahead, specifically for college football. That's in 20 minutes. A bit later, uh, the New York Times, who purchased The Athletic, has announced more losses on behalf of the company, The Athletic. Um, We'll dive into the numbers that were reported by, uh, by the times and, and discuss uh, the business model is the athletic that I think we all subscribe to, all three of us. But long term, I mean, there's only so many more years you can just continue to bathe in these losses of $50 million plus. Details on that. Plus Armando you know Salguero in our number three.
1: They had a great story today on the top 100 uh, baseball prospects.
0: <laughs> more baseball prospects that's that that
1: was my primary complaint
0: yesterday that is a whole business
2: strategy uh, by the athletic we're gonna much? make all we just lost 55 mil but we're gonna make it all back on baseball
0: prospects cool. yeah.
1: my primary complaint yesterday too much written about baseball prospects not just by the athletic but the athletic loves baseball prospects.
0: Doug Peterson woke up yesterday and saw a story from his owner in Jacksonville shot Khan, and the quote that's making the the ways is in regards to urban Meyer, but it's, it's a one, it's the one quote about, you know, how can you work with this guy? How, how can you, how can you work with someone like that is, is in the headlines. And we'll, we'll get to the details of what Shad Khan said about urban Meyer, but beneath the surface, I think there's a different storyline here. And it's that Doug Peterson, before he's even coached a game, um, it's estimated he makes around $4 million a season. Based on this quote, Doug Peterson, is he's guaranteed $16 million (laughs) over the lifetime of his contract, and I'll explain why. Here's Khan to uh, USA Today Sports, Jaguars owner. It was not about wins and losses, speaking on behalf of Urban Meyer and why he fired him. I think when you know someone is not truthful, how can you be around someone? Okay, We had Doug Marone here for four years. We had Gus Bradley here for four years. I have nothing but the utmost respect and friendship with them. That's why they got the time. Because it wasn't a matter about respect or truth. It was a matter of wins and losses over four years. This is much bigger than that. I read that and think, man, Doug Peterson. has cushion. He wasn't the number one option there. But man, I mean, if you're sitting back and you get to coach Trevor Lawrence, you, you get to coach Trevor Lawrence based on this quote over the next 3 years before they determine whether or not they're going to give him the max contract and make him the highest paid player in the history of football. That that's what Sean Khan just told everyone. Thank is you. that as long as you don't insult the people within the organization, wins and losses don't matter here because we're about being friends and you're going to give we're going to be patient with you. I think that's good on Sean Khan's behalf, but it's also saying like we're in no rush. And that's a little odd. Well, in this day and age, we're we're in no rush. There's no urgency with that quote.
1: Just he, be a good he's, person. Not a, he's not a, a rush to judgment kind of guy. And look, I, I respect that around the league. Take your time. These these teams that yeah, they cycle through coaches too fast, look where they are. The Giants, you know, have made some really bad hires. Grant the Judge and McAdoo. Shermer, those are bad hires. You got to do better than that. And if you know you made a mistake, you're better turning it over than not. But hire better, and then give the guy some time. Now, Sean Khan, Shad Khan, probably too slow by some standards, but Gus Bradley was a hot property when he came out. Philadelphia wanted him, and you know he was viewed as a hot young coach. So. Is it terrible that Shad Khan gave him four years? What about Doug Marone? Doug Marone was not a hot property. <laughs> Doug Marone was a product of an agent, and he got conned a little bit He's on the that. He's the
2: offensive line coach at Alabama right now. Right. It shows how hot of a property he was in the NFL.
1: But he put together... There's
0: also in Buffalo. He
1: put together a reasonably good staff. He had too long, too, I think. But if you're going to err on firing and recycling too frequently... And giving a guy an actual chance to turn into something, I think you know. In this day and age, it's probably better to go B. Now he he missed twice, and then he went went big and he missed again. So his track record sucks. Let's be honest.
0: It's odd not to like. There's no way that in in Los Angeles with the Chargers, they're not thinking about okay. The, the, compare the rookie situation there with Herbert to t- Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. There is a, a much more sense of urgency with the Chargers. Well, they
1: also have a much better roster. They had a much better roster but, when they drafted Herbert.
0: But in, in, in today's NFL, you can flip that within two years. You yes. can get back within the playoff contention. Absolutely. And the mo- I mean, that's how the league is built and structured. And we just have not seen that from Jacksonville. That's why
1: bad teams are bad. That's why the Giants and the Jets and the Jags yeah. and Detroit – because they they get those two years and they don't
0: flip.
2: Look, I, I wish that Shad Khan would have taken a step further and said, you know, I believe in honesty and doing the right thing so much. Hugh Jackson would get four years here, even if he had that record they that he had have. in Cleveland. Doesn't matter as long as you don't lie to me and you're a good person. Um, this is great news for hiring coaches in Jacksonville. If you are a prospective coach and you hear that from Shad Khan, you're thinking, man, that's a great situation to go into. Uh, where I'm not going to have someone breathing down my neck over every loss if I'm in the middle of a rebuild and I can do things the way I want to do them and I'm not worried about getting fired in a year or two, uh, I think it's also terrible news for Jacksonville fans because I want Shad Khan to start talking about winning quickly. Uh, that, that needs to be priority number one. I'm like, look, the, no. the, the, the baseline expectation is that my employee does not lie to me and behave the way Urban Meyer did. But make no mistake about it, I'm hiring a coach to win football games. We are long overdue to win. We've had high draft picks. We got a quarterback that we believe in. We need to start winning football games. I'm not talking about making some bold proclamation about winning the AFC South in year one or anything like that and putting undue pressure on your guy. But what's wrong with saying, yeah, we hire head football coaches, first and foremost, to win NFL football games. And the baseline is that you, you are a professional and you don't lie to me. And Urban Meyer was neither of those things.
1: But here's where the context of, the, of what he's talking about, I think, becomes important. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Hut, he was asked about Urban Meyer going back to Fox. And he was reacting to Urban Meyer going back to Fox. Right. And he was saying, why would you want to work with that guy? Confessing from his own mistake, this guy is a bad dude. He's a liar. He's not good to work with. I found out. Out of my own mistake, you shouldn't be making the same mistake, and then lay down a baseline for the kind of person you would want to work well,
0: with. Well, and he was asked about the turmoil behind the scenes. Um, and and he said that Meyer, after the was it Thursday night football that he stayed in Ohio and then he had the grindiness? Yes. And, and the quote <laughs> was from, from Shad Khan that he had to regain our trust and respect. And so, of course, that didn't happen. And the the, the quote from Khan in the recent article from USA Today was when you lose the respect, the trust, and an issue of truthfulness, how can you work with someone like that? It's not possible. And so and then he follows that up by saying like, hey, here are the two previous coaches who you know won, won some games and then over the course of the four years just didn't add up enough and we had to part ways, but we remain great friends.
1: And Gus Bradley's a good coach. And Doug who, Marone
0: took who, them the AFC Championship game. Yep. yep. So
1: and Gus Bradley's a good coach who wasn't a good head coach, and lots of people hire good coordinators who turn out to be bad head coaches and go back to being good coordinators. He's in Indianapolis now, if I'm not mistaken, and people thought that was a great hire for Indianapolis who lost Iberflus to, mm-hmm. to Chicago as head coach. We'll see, we'll see. But he was a hot prospect coming out of Seattle. Marone was was a weird hire, particularly on the heels of Malarkey. Like they're kind of the same guy.
0: And they, they, they've had more success with him there than they've had in oh, over a decade. Right,
1: But it was really one year. Uh, they had one one really good year, which, you know, great. You can't take it away. And but they, they, they have, haven't sustained
0: anything. They have spent more money in free agency than any anything this offseason in, in just contract dollars. Yeah, using the cap. Um, so, you know, they're, they're being aggressive. The question is, are they going about it the right way? And the coaches who were considered, like Josh McDaniels, they would have interviewed Josh McDaniels for the job in Jacksonville and paired him with Trevor Lawrence. The problem is coach didn't want to go work with Trent Baalke.
1: And is overpaying Christian Kirk the right way? You know, I'm glad they're spending their money, but I don't know that overpaying Christian Kirk is, is the right way to spend your cap dollars. And I think Christian Kirk's a good player, but I don't think you pay him $20 million a year in order to get him. Who are you bidding against, first off? You know, somebody else paying Christian Kirk $19 million I mean, they, a year? They, I don't
0: think so. No one had time to, to even throw in another yeah, offer so he signed so fast. You know, he like they, that, that was their main target. But that's
1: i I'm knocking this guy over the head to get him
0: here move. That's the very deliberate target of the offseason right. for them. And also, he's a good
1: player, but I don't think
2: he's a change of organization player. Well, the other big offseason move is their number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, who, let's face it, if he doesn't produce right away in Jacksonville, we're all going to point to it and say oh, wow, a guy who didn't produce in college isn't producing in the right. NFL, and the Jacksonville Jags drafted the guy number one overall. That's going to be the immediate knock. And that's why I said they should have drafted Aiden Hutchinson.
1: Right. But if, say, for some reason uh, – say, say a deal happened a year ago, and not New England because New England dra- drafts funky, but somebody like Philadelphia had the top pick. You know, Philadelphia had traded and had, had some picks – So the team they traded with absolutely tanked, and Philadelphia wound up with the top pick. If they took Walker first, I don't think we would have had as big a beef with it. And if he uh, didn't pan out for Philadelphia, we wouldn't crush Philadelphia the same way. Or he'd be more likely to pan out with Philadelphia than Jacksonville just because the Jags are the
2: Jags. Well, absolutely we look at it differently. I mean, we look at every franchise differently. I mean, I I would think of it – When the Baltimore Ravens select someone, I typically say, "Oh, that probably probably is a good pick." When the Pittsburgh Steelers draft someone, I think, even if I didn't like the guy in college, you know, they probably know what they're doing. When Jacksonville drafts someone that I'm against them drafting, I'm typically right (laughs) because they're always wrong. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. I mean, if another team drafted him, then we'd be thinking differently about Trayvon Walker. And look, the guy might be Lawrence Taylor when he gets NFL. We don't know, but it's going to be a very easy second guess. When you take someone number one overall, that Hutton you were joking about, I mean, you had to go back and really dig up highlights at times. You it's know, hard, to to show find, film it's hard to
0: find a highlight of him doing what he's been drafted to do. Yes. You think
1: at some
2: point. Which
0: is, which is to do what Josh Allen does for them on the defensive line. To wreck the game. You
1: think at some point there's a pivot player for them that starts to turn things. It should be Trevor Lawrence. And Doug Peterson should be the guy. Now, it wasn't immediate. But second year, you got to start to see things. And he really got a free pass last year because there was chaos down there. All these moves that they've made and the money that they've spent that you're talking about, Hutt, is to start to facilitate him doing things. If Trevor Lawrence isn't playing pretty well by midseason this year, you know, we're going to be asking questions about
0: why not. Well, they have James Robinson and running back. They've, they've spent some money on their offensive line. Evan Ingram is now there as their tight end. They have signed Christian Kirk. They have Marvin Jones. Uh, Zay Jones is there as well. Um, they, they drafted better, way, way too high, in my opinion. But, again, um, they can, the, you're allowed to value players differently across the league. They draft Snoop Connor as a running back er, like, way earlier than many thought he was going out of Ole Miss. Travis Etienne uh, is Travis back. Travis Etienne is back. Yeah, that's a big um, – And then defensively, they have a lot of young talent. They end up with uh, Devin Lloyd – um, they have very fast linebacker, linebackers.
1: Very yeah. fast linebackers.
0: And and again, the, you they they have the youth at quarterback, who is the franchise, and the entire offseason has been about putting weapons around him, and then they have supplemented the defense through the draft.
1: And they have a new playbook. I mean, but, how, but how, the, how the, the comment
0: though says to me, well, as long as we stay the course, your our coach is good. Like we're we're going to give them plenty of time to build whatever they're buying into. And, and maybe that's, that's completely fair, by the way, to, to Peterson because he's one of the coaches, one of the few who wanted to work with Trent Baalke.
1: And he's won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's got a resume.
0: Yep.
2: How despondent are you if you're a Jacksonville fan and Trevor Lawrence is bad this year under Doug Peterson? Yeah, I think you're thinking it's just... Because, because he got a complete mulligan from everyone. Jags fans, national media, everyone, because Urban Meyer was such a disaster. And I'm willing to give him a total mulligan. But he, he was bad.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, he was bad. It was a bad offense. It was a bad situation. Can't put it all on him. We all still think, man, he's one of the best prospects we've seen coming out of college football in a long time. Uh, maybe since Andrew Luck, in terms of pure potential I and pro so. style. But if he's not good under Doug Peterson, I mean, it's not back to the drawing board yet with one-year under Doug Peterson, but there needs to be a giant leap forward based on what we saw under Urban Meyer with Trevor yes. Lawrence. A giant leap. No doubt.
1: I, I think everybody in the league expects it. So if it doesn't happen, <laughs> you've got a lot of big questions.
0: Hit us up on social media at Outkick360. Coming up, Big Ten Commissioner Gene Smith has uh, he's discussed and, and, and thrown out, excuse me, not Big Ten Commissioner, Ohio State AD Gene Smith. Uh, has has partnered with the Big Ten on throwing out some ideas at the Big Ten meetings, the spring meetings, uh, discussing uh, could the college football playoff police football in general? And then the NCAA handles everything else, eligibility, all that. But in regards to NIL, in regards to the transfer portal, for the power conferences that are eyeing the college football playoff, could the playoff be the governing body for college football? How realistic is this and the separation of sports? We, we asked a number of different people last week, but specifically Danny White, uh, the AD at Tennessee, his thoughts on this, and if we would have different leagues represented under different structures, that's, that's what Gene Smith's idea is. And we'll kind of try to piece it together as he says, look, I'm just throwing out... Some brainstorms here. We'll brainstorm with him next and'll kick 360.
3: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
0: How Kick360 rolls on, spring meetings are brainstorming sessions, especially now with name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal being a huge topic across college sports. But in, in, in particular with college football, Kevin Warren and the Big Ten, they're interested in just discussions about the CFP governing body for all of this and where we're all headed with it. And Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State, said, hey, I'm just throwing out an idea, but what if we had the college football playoff be the governing body for football specifically? And then anyone eligible, if you're in a conference that's eligible, in Division I, um, you would be governed based on the rules and regulations of the CFP. Um, in order to be eligible to participate in the college football playoff, either with four, with eight, with 12, 14, wherever we end up, um, they would handle all regulation for NIL and transfer portal. And the NCAA is in charge of literally everything else.
1: Couple couple thoughts. A, A everybody's liked better than the NCAA. But there have been lots of issues with the CFP. People on what they've done and haven't done in terms of those rankings. B, they all have full time jobs, uh, right? They're ads and and other stuff. So the CFP is one thing. Except to, for Bill Hancock, <laughs> right? To watch yeah. games, to watch who, is a,
0: who will repeat any line, no matter if he's for the uh, college uh, the bowls or if he's speaking on behalf yeah. of the BCS he or will, the college football playoff. That's, he
2: will dance with who
0: brought him, right? no, no so matter who that person outside is.
1: Outside of him, they all have other jobs, and this is something that can fit into their schedules. But governing college football is a much bigger job. So if I'm an AD at whatever, this sounds like a full-time job. So yeah. am I leaving that to be on this committee that runs college football? Well, I might not want to do that, and if I don't want to do that, then who are you getting to replace me? Well, it's not the person that he's saying he'd like to run college football anymore.
0: Well, there would need to be a commissioner of the college football playoff.
1: Yeah, Gene Smith
2: is on to something that every, a lot of people are on to. Greg Sankey's even talked about the possibility of this. College football needs a governing body. It's not the college football playoff. I mean, that's a collection of, like you said, Paul, presidents, ADs, Bill Hancock, hell no. The college football playoff is not capable of doing this. My question for the college football playoff is, you know, what is your experience in fighting federal labor laws? Because that's the job. If you want to regulate NIL and money going to student athletes and transfer portal and all of this, you have to be able to fight federal labor laws and at some point maybe the Supreme Court. Yeah, Because that's the only way to, to regulate it. There's no regulation right now. There's no, there, there's right to work or right to attend school. This has opened up transfer portal. There's right to make money off name image likeness and not hoard the money. That's opened up the possibility for high school kids to sign NIL deals to go to schools. The cat is so far out of the bag now, you need a legal team to run college football. I, I see a scenario where there's a former coach or someone well-respected that is the commissioner of college football. And I agree with Gene Smith that major college football needs its own legislative body, just like major college basketball does. I think women's college basketball could probably use their own one. I think college baseball maybe falls into that category too. You have your own governing bodies of these sports, and every other sport could be run by the NCAA. You know, you start taking, you skim off the top. You start taking the most high-interest, money-making sports. Complicated. Complicated that involve people you know wanting to pay money for your services to be on the team, and you branch those off and have some common sense regulation and legislation over those sports that's specific to those sports, and let the NCAA handle women 's lacrosse and rowing and you know men 's soccer for that matter, let them handle all of those sports and the where the big money's behind it there 's got to be some legislation, but again. I don't even know where to start because that legislation has to start by fighting the Supreme Court of the United States. Yeah, and it
1: can't be run by people whose expertise is in hiring and firing coaches, fundraising. Well, it and wouldn't scheduling. be.
0: It wouldn't be run by that. The, the NCAA would be would have some. I mean, they, they would be in charge of creating the government the commissioner or whatever. I mean, you would have to work with the NCAA in some capacity I, in, I don't, in this idea.
2: I just don't think, um, because the college football playoff certainly works with the NCAA. That's why I'm against Gene Smith's I'd idea altogether. Again, I think there should be a governing body. It should not be the college football playoff at all. Strike that from the record. It should not be the NCAA. There needs to be, the NCAA can exist for non-revenue producing sports. That's it. We have to rewrite the rule book. We have to throw away the entire NCAA rule book and write a pamphlet that's you know two pages long of rules. And somehow come up with a plan to make this an actual industry and have labor regulations around that industry with federal law in place. If not, it is unfair. It is. It, great, it's fair for the athlete now because you can put your hand in as many pockets as you want. And take as much money from as many people as you want. All that, great. All for you know, athletes making top dollar or whatever they want to make. It's not good for the sport as a whole. And they, they do have to get it under control. But in the short term, it's not going to stop NIL collective. It's not going to stop everything that's going on right now. That's why there's a need for a governing body that's over each sport specifically.
0: But it, therein lies the – like that, that's extremely tough to do if you have the structure that we have now laid out, which is you can get whatever you're eligible to get in name, image, likeness. And
2: that's my point, Hutton, is...
0: So if, if volleyball is is structured differently than football, but volleyball can make more, but they can't based on their structure of their governing body, but in football you you have a staircase element to it, but in volleyball you don't. There's another lawsuit. Well, you have to mimic football. I think think that the NIL, the two different things here. If you're mimicking football, then everything should be under the umbrella and you mimic the same thing. Well, and I think... Like there's no reason to have these different tent poles if you're mimicking another sport.
2: We're talking about separate things here with different sports. A volleyball player that has a huge Instagram following uh, should make as much NIL money as she wants. Mm -hmm. And there should be... Even if the NCAA is over women's volleyball, let's say, in this scenario they should have no say in that whatsoever but there's not going to be a lot of instances of NIL spending top dollar to lure volleyball player to this school over that school it's once they get to that school it's the original that Rick Barnes talked about you know the original idea behind this was players should benefit from their name image likeness within a program just like the program benefits so they're going to make money after they're with the program now what it's become is I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to come to my program and bid against every other program. Mm-hmm. I don't think the bidding will be out of control to bring in women's volleyball players to certain schools. Well, now once they get there and they get a following or they've had a following and they can align themselves to the right businesses that support that university, yeah, we've got a pair of twin basketball they, yeah. players they create that following? are very attractive girls that had that following in high school. They had it at Fresno State, and they're making $2 million. In NIL, and they're at Miami now, and they're getting paid to go to Miami. But as this thing, and develops, they transferred from
0: Fresno, Fresno State. Fresno.
1: But uh, nowadays, they probably would have gotten something coming out of high school because they had a following coming out of high school. I mean,
2: they're not, I don't know that they're good enough for people to spend a lot of money on them out of high school. And how many women's college basketball programs are going to spend money? with their alumni base, top dollar to get yeah, players? I mean, five handful. handful yeah. I mean, six? I'd say the same about college baseball. You know, I think Tennessee's but working to spend some money in college I, I baseball I guess my now. point is it's not, about,
0: it's not about whether or not you will spend money on those sports. It's the ability, that's in the, the structure that's in place that allows that to go on. If you're allowing that to happen in football, you have to allow it in the other sports. Otherwise, you have a lawsuit on your hands. It's not about if you could get it. It's whether or not you're allowed to get it. But that's, that's where i'm coming from Art.
2: and where i'm coming from is there's no way to stop if you're allowed yeah, to the get it because are... the supreme court has ruled but well, then people are blaming the ncaa for a lot of this this is one where i give the ncaa a pass the one thing they were guilty on was not oh,
0: seeing this coming they're absolutely at fault for this but when because the supreme court they, rules they, they took the opposite stance altogether instead of trying to get ahead of what came down the Came down the chute to them in July 1st of last year.
2: But my point, Hutton, is zero foresight. And when zero they saw no, it, they wanted just, nothing to do with again. It. Yeah, but my point they is they
0: took the Bill Hancock approach to of it. Of
2: course, they fought a losing battle for as long as they could. But they deep down knew the moment the Supreme Court ruled this, they've got nothing. They put in these parameters and rules. Hey, you can't entice someone to come to your program, but they can make money when you get there. Says who? That's your rule. No one's going to honor that rule because the Supreme Court gave us a different rule. So there's no way to legislate this until you work with lawmakers to get legitimate legislation, not fake monopoly money college sport legislation that the NCAA is trying to wave around like, hey, look, hey, guys, we got a rule for that. Got a rule here. Can't do it. No. The Supreme Court outruled them. That's why Greg Sankey and George Klavikoff and these guys going to – why are they going to Washington? Guys – Let's find labor laws. Let's find precedent where we can come in legally and r- regulate this to where we don't form a monopoly, to where we have things in place that we can get this under control a bit and do some common sense things. Are they there? They there have, they're, they're so far away from that right now, they're nowhere close to being well, able to control this. But
0: see, here's where Greg Sankey is not the NCAA. He's not going to sit back and let others decide the future of where things are headed. He's on capital. Is he there with anyone from the NCAA, or are they working on behalf of the SEC? If that's the case, they're setting up what's going to be the future structure of collegiate sports, and the NCAA is not going to be referred to as any governing body. They're They're working on behalf of getting power and what the structure and umbrella would look like if they want to form their super conference. Without the NCAA That's how I view this. Absolutely. There, there's a reason why the Pac twelve is aligned with the SEC on Capitol Hill and it has nothing to do with what the NCAA is allowed to do uh, has or a what lot they're not allowed to do with, well, to. with that's, foresight.
2: That's how we started this conversation. I mean that's that's what we've been
0: talking about since but, the start of the segment. But the different the difference is, Chad, who owns? we're talking about the college football playoff. Who owns the NCAA basketball tournament? Again, NCAA. I've, I've yeah.
2: talked about this since the start of this segment.
0: I don't know. There needs to be
2: someone over college basketball that's not the NCAA. College football and college basketball cannot be legislated by the NCAA. What
0: is going to happen is a complete split. There will be a power conference that disassociates from the NCAA. You have – and I've talked about this for months. There needs to be a press conference with Greg Sankey where he comes out and has an alignment, and everything is laid out there in a press conference where we're headed down this path. You have, you have lawmakers present, and everyone, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a briefing. Yeah. Everyone, and, and there, there is no more NCAA. There, the college basketball tournament as we know it, the teams involved in the Power Conference aren't involved in the NCAA tournament. March Madness, to me, if you're, if you're really looking into this, if you're doing a split from college football and the money that's being made on the college football playoff compared to the money being made off the basketball tournament, if you don't have the mega conferences participating in the NCAA March Madness uh, field of 68, what does the NCAA have? To me, I would want to create my own rules and reg- regulations and try to get everyone on board that is possibly uh, headed on, in, in that
2: alignment with me. Yeah, I don't know where I've been confusing on this. I've been saying this since the start of the segment. College football, college basketball cannot be run by the NCAA. They need to manage themselves – and come up with something that's sport-specific but that, but and makes my sense point for is, them.
0: My point is every sport from these conferences will be included underneath this umbrella. There but, will not be the NCAA running volleyball.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. And I can see some of that, but I do think there will be the need for an NCAA-type body to run some of these other sports. Like, there still has to be rules. Even if you don't produce money, you know, if you are a scholarship-regulated program at a university... There's going to be the need for some sort of governing body. I don't know that that's the NCAA. I don't know that they matter, but for the ones that make money, they need their separate legislative bodies. But a scenario,
1: but a scenario that puts the 68 team March Madness in any kind of risk for any kind of period of time isn't good for anybody.
0: Well, I mean, poor poor NCAA. They can't make their billion per year off of it. I mean, again, like. Well, never mind well, that. America wants yeah, it. Yeah, I, I,
2: I want that tournament
0: to happen. Well, they can have their tournament, but you're going to have the mega players playing in a different tournament. I would just create my own. Nobody wants that. Well, I mean, nobody, no oh, fan I mean, of that's it. That's where no we're headed with it. No spectator wants because, it. because you have the... It's gu- the one thing that th- nothing's it, broken about. If you're looking for rules and regulations, the NCAA is not the one that's going to enforce it. They took a step back in July and there is no putting the cat back on that bottle. Well, and that's why we're seeing uh, Gene Smith
2: say these things about, you know, breaking away from the NCAA and having college football playoff. That's why Greg Sankey is uh, visiting with And by the way, who's he who's he there with? The guy who ran a uh, a guy who ran a casino.
0: But it's not You know, he's
2: there with a Pac-12 guy who's got Gene the most Smith, business sense of uh, everyone. See, I
0: think Gene Smith and the Big 10 are thinking more along the lines of conference by conference. And sport by sport. I think Greg Sankey, although they're not saying this, is thinking more on the super conference pact and like completely different brainstorming elements of this. There, there, there's a reason why Mark Emmert is stepping down as late as next July, July 2023. Um, there, there's no way that the NCAA is represented in this, in this discussion on Capitol Hill. I they, just have no, even, they have no bite to their, their bark here.
2: But even if you went with this super conference, uh, going with your idea, Hutton, where you go with, you know, you take the Power Five and now you, now they're the, their own NCAA, but it's called something different. It's the Power right. Five or whatever. And, you know, volleyball in those conferences and bowling and softball, they're all oh, underneath the body that also runs football and basketball and everything else in those conferences but, is what you're saying?
0: Or, or you just you simply bare bones it and say non-revenue producing sports. Sorry, we're, I still we're not think, involved in those anymore. I still think it's no, it's no different than a club sport now to us.
2: And maybe that's where we're headed. I also think that you're still going to need such a small rule book for all of this. Um, with however you go, but even at those big schools, the sports are so different that I don't know you can – everyone can play under the same rules.
0: Well, I mean, the Kansas football makes more than Kansas basketball. Right. I, mean, I think even at some of the mega powers in college basketball, you can point to reasons why you want to be aligned with the football program.
2: Well, and we had this big conversation about – I talked about unintended consequences when this started happening, right? And one of them to me was, hey, get ready, uh, kids who are playing sports right now. You're about to have far less opportunity to get a scholarship. Because all we're going to care about is what makes money. And all we're going to care about and put our money into are the major colleges in major conferences and sports that make money, which is going to eliminate a lot of schools' ability to give you a scholarship in athletics, if that's the case, because there's going to be no trickle-down effect. Everyone that makes money is going to go their own way and leave everyone else in the dust. And it's not the responsibility of the major conferences to prop up the smaller ones, the sports that don't make money, but the unintended consequence of that are a lot of student athletes that may get some money, some school paid for, or the ability to keep playing that aren't going
0: to anymore. Well, I mean, the, the colleges can still hand out the scholarships that they so choose,
1: right? I think some I schools mean, where it's important to them to have well-rounded individuals who have opportunities to play whatever sports are available available to them will find ways to continue to fund those sports.
0: I mean, I, I, I'm, uh, you, I think there's going to be far less. Far fewer
2: football programs, uh, I would say, at the smaller level. Yeah. If this happens, well, uh, that's that's one sport that is going to be. Diverse. Or, or they and
0: align that? and go with the NCAA. The NCAA doesn't just completely go away. They're governing. In, in, this, ca- in this case, they're they're governing Division Two, and the schools that aren't willing to move forward with what I would deem as the Division One power conference. Well, you've, you're in effect now Division Two or NCAA Division One A or whatever they want to refer to it as. But that the, from the business mind of these mega conferences right now, I mean, the, the business association with Texas and Oklahoma is why they're joining the conference. So if you're thinking long-term of, okay, this is a group, the Pac-12 and the, the SEC, they clearly want regulation. They want rules and a framework in, in place for NIL and for the transfer portal and everything else involved. But they also want to keep the same amount of revenue coming in and to keep their television partners happy and to make sure that the money that they're making only goes up not down. Well, to do that, to me you have to if you want the rules and regulations and you want the revenue, you can't be with the NCAA because there is no rules or regulations when it comes to this. And there's a reason why the commissioners are on Capitol Hill and not the not the NCAA, which is supposed to be the governing body of college athletics.
1: Well, the one department I'd set off from what you're saying is March Madness is bringing in a ton of money.
0: Great. Did you see the television contract for the SEC alone with ABC and ESPN? Well, Let's my, put together a mega mega, tournament. Take away. Let's say ACC joins in. You take away Duke and North Carolina. Duke and North Carolina are participating in the new tournament. I mean, well, I, I, I'm and tuning what's, into that. What's, and also, I'm advertising with that.
2: What's to stop this... Super conglomerate of conference commissioners from keeping the tournament going and just inviting conference champions of these lower leagues to come play if they want and take advantage of the tournament and be in it oh, hey, like hey, the you, CBI come, or whatever you can come it is. yeah it's a play in you know you can come in and, and play no, I'm saying they can join just, their tournament at the end of the season, they don't compete all the time against each other throughout, but then at the end of the year, hey, the best of the best of the smaller conferences yeah. can still come and play with us if you want, but we're the ones taking the money. It's all about who's getting the money. I just so if they as, join, well, we're getting the money in the TV contract. We'll keep it going.
1: I just see it as the one thing that's not broken that they need to be careful with.
2: I agree. I mean, I want to see a, a tournament like that to continue where you have the smaller schools' ability to, to compete. Um, yeah,
0: see, I think it is broken, and that's why all these coaches all of a sudden are retiring or, or saying that they're burned out.
2: Yeah, but it's not broken because there's an NCAA tournament that allows smaller schools to go into it. They're burned out because these older guys don't want to get involved in NIL, and they're tired of that. hearing kids come to them saying, "I'm getting this sure. elsewhere." Sure. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, and that's not a problem at the smaller schools also as much right now. Um, the collective bargaining ability of a super conference—if you got all the major players together—and let's say it's 45 schools that they came up with, 32 NFL teams, 45 colleges. How much money could forty-five of the top programs in America get for football and men's basketball rights I mean, alone? Crush it, exactly from different conferences. I mean, from different networks out there. Crush it. That I mean, that's where that's greed. That's also wanting to have autonomy and say over everything that moves forward. So a good, and not product. relying on someone it's available else. Available if you want it. Take. But it. it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a game changer. It's not college sports as we know it. But Danny White, eighty at Tennessee, sat here and said, I don't know what college sports is anymore. College I'm not going to know five years now where it's going.
0: But see, the, the the problem is college sports as we knew it was deemed illegal by the U.S. Supreme Court last year. So th- th- we're never putting that back in the bottle. So to me, it's about figuring out who who has next. the foresight instead of just oh, you know, that we're never going to see that. You know, we're we're going to continue to go down the path, and we're, we're going to figure out rules and regulations for the NCAA. They're done with that. The, 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 whatever they're talking about with trying to figure out how to create some regulations for this rings hollow to me in April when last July they completely removed themselves from it and said it was on the conference and the university. They lost all integrity in regards to that and enforcement. I uh, yeah, they're done. I mean, they're I, done.
2: I, I thought Mark done. Emmert's uh, resignation it, was a sign. That, it has allowed, that's an admission that they have nothing.
0: But Mark Emmert's resignation should have coincided with the new person being named immediately and i think they're just now getting around to trying to have this conversation and they're way too late is. because as they're starting to have this conversation greg sankey's on capitol hill meeting with lawmakers to determine what's legal and what's not and whatever they're drumming up behind the scenes with with people who have been involved in all kinds of uh, apps and money making opportunities in the business world
1: it's no surprise
0: those guys slow. are about
1: to cash in no
2: surprise they're slow
0: Hit us up on Twitter with your they're thoughts. Well, kick we'll, we'll
2: end the discussion with this. There's one thing that's for sure in all this. <clears throat> the SEC is going to be fine.
0: No doubt. Yeah, you're right. A- everyone else. And the Pac-12 bu- is too. Pac-12's up. got foresight. Pac-12. It doesn't have the
1: product as yet, well, but it's got long, the foresight. As Pac-12's going to be fine.
2: As long as they are aligned with Greg Sankey, they're going to be fine.
1: And that commissioner But if Greg is-
2: Sankey decides we don't need you and we don't want you and you're not helping, then they're not going to be
0: fine. But, but their that,
1: commissioner's but, doing the right moves.
0: But yes. Greg Sankey right now has a foothold on the East Coast and the West Coast. He does. I mean – Again, like they're doing more than just discussing, hey, we need help on NIL and, and Transfer Portal. Help us out, Congress. No, they're trying to figure out the framework of whatever they're coming up behind the scenes on what, what they can get away with and what's not going to end up back in the Supreme Court five years from now. Um, man, five years from now, do we have The Athletic? We, we discussed the money that's being lost right now.
2: Five months from now?
0: Uh, five months from now well
2: <laughs>
0: five days I, Weeks? I, we've said this a lot though it's how much days. money can one place lose? We, uh, a lot we'll, we'll explain just how much the athletic has lost over the last five years next to now kick 360 The New York Times purchased the athletic, or announced the purchase, in January of this year. Announced was $550 million, um, and it was, I believe it's closed now, but the the sale was set to become official during the first quarter of 2022. That coincides, that time frame coincides with the report today, Chad, from the New York Times through Darren Revell about the financial losses, which continue to To pile up for the athletic.
2: Yeah, this is a tweet from Darren Ravel, and he puts, he sources the bottom, the New York Times, uh, who obviously, as Hutton just said, purchased the athletic back in January going into February. Operating losses for the athletic in 2019 was $54 million. They got better in 2020, $41 million. 2021, by the way, 2020, COVID, COVID, less losses. Why? Less Less travel. travel for their riders. 2021, Fifty-five million. Oh, and <laughs> apparently, in the months of February and March, when it was available to New York Times, they were over eight million in losses in those two months alone, uh, as uh, a product of the New York Times. Guys, I don't know how much longer this can go, but we've also been saying this for about two years yeah. with yep. their losses, and they keep going. Uh, whoever is funding this project is okay. I, I doubt they're completely okay with this, but. They're withstanding it fine. And well, I know, there was, you know they sold recently, and New York Times is going to do some different things to try to make it profitable. But, I mean, how long do we give this before what, the way we know the Athletic right now is completely
1: different I I've gutted? I don't understand this element of it, but there's something to it. And that this is why the New York Times bought it. There's value in having subscribers even when you're not turning a profit with them. New York Times wanted the subscription base that the Athletic has – which is a healthy number, even though it's not helping them create a profit. They wanted the three of us in their ranks. I love The Athletic. I think it's a great profit. I read a really high percentage of their front page stories and of the stories that are connected to the teams that I have an interest
0: in. It's a good product. I, I like it too. The Times likes the model of The Athletic because it's a subscription base. They want more subscribers to move away from the ad Model, um, and as they started to transition before they to be both. before they purchased the athletic, now they want they want a subscription based model and and without the ads. And they as they started to make this transition before the athletic, they they started to see more revenue. They had a billion dollars in cash. Their stock price went up two hundred fifty percent. And since then, they've paid five hundred fifty million for the athletic and their subscription base to add to that. But the question is. With that risk, do they get the reward long term for the financial loss now? I and think they'll
1: be waiting it out.
0: Man, we've been waiting for the athletics to turn a profit for a while. Fifty four million this past year? And that's after some it's other fifty five.
1: It's good in Europe too. And that's where it can also make some money.
0: Headlines next, including Matt Ryan and the Colts.